0: All right, I know some of you, Um, some of you I know fairly well, some of you I don't, but I've got this concept about most of you, this idea, Um, there's some of you that are in here that are workaholics, you, I, I know you, you're workaholics, you might take a day off during the week, but not really. You just don't go into the office, but you're reading, you're thinking about work, you're researching, you're on the internet, you're grading papers, you're checking email, text, you're simply planning out tomorrow's day. Whatever it might take, you're thinking about it all the time. Workaholism has been called the pain that others applaud. We, we really give props to people that do this. It's the most respectable of all addictions that are out there. Um, people really respect those people. Thomas Edison was told by his wife one time, she said, you need to take a break. You're working too hard. You need to take a break. He said, I don't know how to do that. What do I do? And she said, think of the place that you would rather be more than anywhere else in the world. And tomorrow, go there. So he woke up and went to his office. <laughs> And he said, that's where I'd rather be. I love the story, too, of the daddy brought home a briefcase full of work on the weekend. Saturday morning, he was out. He was doing some work, and his son said, Dad, what are you doing? Um, And he said, well, there's too much work to do. I had to bring some of it home for the weekend. He said, hey, when you go back in on Monday, tell them to put you in a slower group. Um, It'll help. So, okay, some of you are workaholics. Some of you are just hyperactive. You're ADD. You just don't know how to slow down. You can't stop. You're always going. You can't relax. Um, Your idea of taking a day off is to see how much activity you can cram into your day off. Chores around the house, ball games, school activities, the lake, cars, going here, going there. So much activity, but sometimes very little accomplished. You're just going. You fall into bed exhausted on your day off, hoping that tomorrow when you go to work, you can relax a little bit. I know there might be um, just the opposite of those two. There might be some of you that every day is a day off. And when you are at work, your coworkers can't tell whether you're working or not. Okay, maybe not you guys, but you have people you work with like this, right? It might be the opposite. I know this about God and about us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it tells us this, that we were created to work. We are his workmanship. We were created by God to do good works, We're supposed to work. There's a part of us that God has designed for us to accomplish and do things. So today we are on commandment number four. Um, We're in a series during the summer. We're walking through all the commandments. So today is commandment number four, and we see this one. Um, This is a tough one for this commandment. I often think this needs to be not preached to those that show up today, but everyone that's not here um, today, because that's what it's mostly for. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So good job. You guys are here today. I appreciate that. That's the short version of it, but this commandment actually goes on. I'm going to read the rest of it to you. It's not going to be on the screen, but if you have your phones, you can find it on your Bible app. If you have your Bibles, you can turn here. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. And I'm skipping ahead to 9. It says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. And you're thinking, I don't have a male or female servant or a sojourner inside my gates. I don't have to follow this one, right? We're going to get to it. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, when I read through that, of course, tons of questions come to my mind. Maybe you do as well. Are we still obligated to obey that? because I don't have servants, I don't have this, I don't have that. Some of that seems a little outdated. And how? How do you determine what constitutes work and rest? Is work for one person may not be for another. Do we, What about Saturday and Sunday? What is the real Sabbath day? Did God really insist that people take a day off? Seems a little old-fashioned to me. How do we understand it? Well. When you really break it down, this could be a reason for things such as burnout, depression, heart problems, ulcers, hypertension, physical exhaustion, and the list goes on. And when you hear that list, now maybe you go back and say, okay, maybe this isn't such a bad commandment after all. Maybe we do need to think about it. But we do, I think, oftentimes, we look at a commandment that tells us, we look down on a commandment that tells us to take a day off, and we wonder why our nation is such a breakdown physically as well as morally. But God is the one who designed us, and He's the one that wrote this commandment. I wonder if He knows what He's doing. I wonder if He's got this understanding about us, who He created, and... commandments that go along with us so all of you if you would when you leave today um when you get in your car reach over in your glove compartment because i know you all have one of these in your in your glove compartment that box you know inside of there there's this little booklet that you never get to the owner's manual of your car and within that if you were to read it it would tell you that you're supposed to change your oil every so often And if you remain close to that, it's going to do pretty good. Um, And if you have an older car, like my truck, you just keep adding oil, and it keeps it clean (laughs) the whole time. Um, But you're supposed to change your oil so often. If you don't, it will catch up. It will catch up to you, and pretty soon it will ruin your vehicle if you don't obey the owner's manual. I see this sometimes in the Ten Commandments, especially on a commandment like this one. Is God going to jump down and zap us if we don't do this one or if we mess this one up? You know, if we go for a week or two without obeying this one, is this really so bad? Probably not, right? It probably is one that, man, we can fudge a little here and there and it's not going to make that big of a difference. But if we go too long without this one, it's going to hurt. And God understands us, and he knows what we need, so he's trying to teach us this. So commandment number four is a little bit different than some of the rest, or really the rest of the commandments. Um, The first thing that makes it different, just to give you an overview of this idea, commandment number four is the longest of all the commandments, which actually is kind of strange, because when you look at it at just the surface, surface, this, this little line, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. It seems simple, right? But he had to explain it. He made it the longest of all of them to say this is really important. And of all the other commandments as well, this one's different in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. And so we have to understand this. What is he trying to teach us and what's the big idea behind it? So we're going to break it down this way. We're going to look at the Old Testament, then the New Testament, and then today. And we're still living within the New Testament, so it's just how do we apply that to our situation? And I believe that today it's not the sermon, but it's this concept, it's this principle that if you follow this, it'll change your life. I think this has one of the biggest impacts of all the others. It will change your life if you follow this one. So the Old Testament law, let's go here. Where did the Sabbath come from? We have to go all the way back to um, page one of this one. Genesis chapters one and two, we see the creation story. And for six days, God created In Genesis chapter two, we get to this point that on the seventh day, he rested. But why? I mean, he's God. What? God rested? Why? Was he tired? He's, I mean, he's God. Was he worn out? Did he say, oh, thank me. It's Friday. <laughs> I mean, where did he come up with this? Why did he have to do this? Really, the concept and the idea, God rested, it actually means he ceased from labor. He stopped doing what he was doing. For six days, he created, and then he didn't create. It doesn't mean he, he didn't do anything. He's being lazy that he stopped everything, it's that he changed his pace. He did something different. I think he was setting up a plan for us to follow. There's a time for work, and there's a time for rest. There's a time for production, there's a time for reflection. There's a time for productivity, and there's a time for gratitude. And we have to understand this balance and how this works. So we see the example of the Israelites. When they were in the desert, they could only collect enough manna for one day. God allowed them to collect manna. They had one day's worth of work to be able to eat that. But on the sixth day, they could collect enough for two days. And God set up this pattern um, for all of us to follow. Now, up until the New Testament, um, they were not allowed to work on the Sabbath. This was part of it. The Jewish rabbis, um, this would be the Pharisees, these these rabbis, they felt obligated to define work for everyone else. here's how we interpret what God is saying. And so they came up with a list. And J. Vernon McGee in his book, Love, Liberation, and the Law, he said the rabbis came up with 1,521 ways in which you could break commandment number four. And they made a list of all the things that you couldn't do. So you either weren't allowed to leave their property because you would be walking too far, and that would be work. Um, you couldn't gather wood or light a fire. They couldn't plant fields or harvest crops. They couldn't sell their products or their produce. They actually the, shut the city gates. That was close. I'm glad I, I need to not say that one again, right? <laughs> um, we'll move on. They couldn't tie a knot. That would be work. They couldn't lift an ink pen. They couldn't kill a flea or mosquito. A woman was not allowed to look in a mirror because she might see something she doesn't like and want to work at that to make it better. So uh, this was just so serious to them. They took it seriously. They wrote up a long list of rules to make sure we didn't sin in that. And to God it was serious as well. Um, again, just like last week and the week before, God was so serious about this. In Exodus thirty-one, it says, "You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death." It seems pretty extreme, right? On commandment four, if you don't obey the Sabbath law, um, that the death penalty was a part of that. It's God saying, "Come on." I'm serious about this one. You've got to really look at it. So the reasons that I think God is serious about it is this. Number one, um, the Old Testament, it's because of rest. We need it. Our bodies were not made to function 24-7. We need a rest, even a day out of every six days. And it's not just for those of us that are believers. This is universal. It goes whether you're a believer or not. A guy by the name of Randall Denny, he wrote a book called Tables of Stone for Modern Living, And he said it this way, the sabbatical law is universal. It is applicable to all people in every nation of all ages. The ancient Egyptians, the Chaldeans, adopted the seven-day cycle. That was it. It That's what they brought on. The Greeks, though, went from ten days back to seven days. They tried a ten day cycle. The Romans tried eight days and they went to a seven day cycle. During France's age of reason the social engineers set up a ten day cycle. Nine days of work and one day of rest. But again they discovered that it would not work and later returned to a seven day cycle. For years people have tried to prove God wrong. And it has never worked. Everybody comes back to this concept of what God has set up and how he designed us. He made us for rest. So don't try and kill yourself for 50 weeks straight out of a year and then collapse on a two-week vacation because history and experience has proven that we are more productive, more focused, more healthy if we take time out of our week to rest. He even said the fields need this. It's not just us. This is how he made the world. Um, In Leviticus, as you break down the Levitical law, they taught that your fields, every seven years, they needed a year off. So you would plant crops in it, but on the seventh year, nothing, and let it rest, and it would give better crops after that. So rest is important. I also know this, that worship is important. We're going to worship something, and God said it's important to take a break, And when you do, it's not to be lazy, it's to worship. It is a holy day. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It's not a day just to lay around and be lazy and do nothing. It's a day to worship. It's a day to set things aside and remember whose you are and who created you. In Leviticus um, chapter 23, verse 3, it says, six days you shall work the work shall be done, but on the seventh day, as a Sabbath of solemn rest and holy convocation, you shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. A guy by the name of Adam Herschel, he wrote a, um, a book. He, he, he says this, and he says, six days a week, we wrestle with the world, bringing profit from the earth. On the seventh, sorry, On the Sabbath, we especially care for the seed of eternity planted in our souls. The world has our hands, but our soul belongs to someone else. It's our time not just to take a break from our work, from our hands, but it's a time to take a break to remember who we are, to be reminded that we don't belong to this world. We belong to God, and our eternity is somewhere else. And if you don't do this enough, you'll forget, and you'll get wrapped up in this world. He also wrote this. He said it this way, The Sabbath can prepare you for six days, but it takes six days to prepare for the Sabbath. What a cool perspective, huh? We often think it's flipped around the other way, but man, it takes a lot to prepare for those six days, but it takes those six days just to prepare to take that break. So in the Old Testament, the Sabbath was celebrated on a Saturday. The reason was because God rested on the seventh day, which was a Saturday. Sunday being the first day of the week, Saturday being the seventh. But in the New Testament, it switched over to Sunday, and we celebrate because of the resurrection of Jesus so the Jew worshipped on the seventh day to remember a finished creation, but the Christian worships on the first day of the week to remember a finished redemption. So let's look at that. Let's jump there. The New Testament, really, the New Testament has liberated us from this law. It has. It's it's lifted um, the confines of this Old Testament law. It's liberated us from the strict guidelines that those um, Pharisees set up in place to tell you what you could and couldn't do, but it did not release us from the foundations of the principle. It hasn't freed you up from the principle behind it, although it has freed you up completely from the strict guidelines of it. Colossians 2 verse 16 tells us, therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or regard to religious festivals a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. We have freedom in this. So we can't judge people on when they rest and how they worship God. Some people do it on Saturday. Some people do it on Sunday. A person that works in an office on a computer all week, man, their Sabbath might be getting out in their yard, getting their hands dirty, sweating a little bit. That might be what gives them energy again that might actually be restful for their bodies to get out and do something. A person that works outside all week, especially this last week, might be thinking, I just want some air conditioning all weekend. That's all I need. Jesus was even caught in this. There was one time he was healing on a Sabbath, and they stopped him. And this was, you know, hey, you're not supposed to do that. And he said to them, Mark 2, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Here's the lesson of the New Testament. It is a gift to you. More than a commandment for you, it is a gift to you. God has given you a gift to say, you need, this is for you. I'm doing this. For, you need to do this. This is beneficial and helpful for you. Because we often think of it backwards. Ron Mel, he said, I keep thinking God needs more and more of me to get his work done. But in reality, I need more and more of him. It's not that God needs us to take a break and to worship, we need to take a break and to worship. So how do we do this? How do we interpret both of these, the Old Testament and the New Testament? How does this play out in our lives? Number one, I think we need to avoid the extreme interpretations of the Sabbath. And that goes for the Old Testament and the New Testament. It goes for both of those. Avoid the extremes on those. Some of you have weird schedules, I know. Some of you can't be here during our designated time for worship. I understand that. I get it. So don't be illegalistic about it. But you still have to find time to do it. You still have to honor a day and take a break. For us, you know, it's Sunday morning. This is the time that we have scheduled that we come together for worship. And we love it when you're here, and I want you to, to work hard. I'm going to get to this again as we close, but for us, it's, it's not the legalism, though, that I think is the problem. I'm not sure that legalism is the thing that holds us back. I believe our problem is probably more license. We have become so liberal in our interpretation of this principle that we'll do whatever. It, don't tell me what not to do, right? We've become so secular. Sunday, Sundays have become the biggest cash cow um, in our society. Instead of Christians maintaining a higher standard, we have just adjusted to the world, and there's nothing special about any day, let alone Sundays. All the days are the same. And I think about this as well. Our grandparents called it the Lord's Day. Our parents called it Sunday. In our society today, we just call it the weekend. And nothing is special anymore. So here's a reminder from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Take care that this right of yours, this freedom that you have from the New Testament, right? Take, take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Be careful that you're not leading someone else astray because you don't hold this commandment in high standards. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers, were called to be free. Hey, right? Freedom in this. But do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature, meaning that you skip over commandment four. 1 Peter 2.16, Live as free men, yes, but do not use your freedom to cover up for evil, but live as servants for God. So in order to do this, we have to, we have to go to this step. Designate a day of the week for rest. This commandment, or part of two, um, point two of this: designate a week, a day, a week for rest. But what about laundry and yard work and house cleaning and bills and extras and stuff we got to do? I get it. This is tough to do, but you have to you have to prepare for it and plan for it. And I believe I've watched it in my own life. I've watched it in others. That if we honor this commandment and we do it, there'll be time. God's math doesn't always add up to us, but he will make sure that there's time for you to get everything else done that you need. I'm not good at it. This is hard for me. I I don't like taking a break. Um, It's hard to rest. It's hard to slow down in this. Um, But we have to try. We have to work at this. The principle is still valid for us to do and to allow God to recreate us through some play and enjoyment and fun. I want to read something to you. Um, This is something that uh, dad wrote after his son decided to play t-ball. Now, some of you may have heard me read this before. I have read it before. I think it's worth reading again in this setting. And if you have listened to it again, new. if you haven't, um, sit back and enjoy this. He writes this. He said, "'Last year my young son played t-ball. Needless to say, I was delighted when Dylan wanted to play.' Now, on the other team, there was a girl named Tracy. Now, Tracy came every single week. I know this because there's only two teams and they play each other every single week. She's not very good. She had Coke bottle glasses and hearing aids in each ear, and she ran with a looping, carefree way with one leg dragging behind the other and one arm windmilling in the air as she runs. Everyone in the bleachers cheers for her, regardless of what team their prodigy plays for. But in all the games I saw, she never hit the ball, not even close. It just sat there on the tee waiting to be hit, and it never was. Sometimes after 10 or 11 swings, Tracy hit the ball, sorry, Tracy hit the tee, and the ball would fall off the tee and sit on the ground six inches in front of home plate. But run run yelled tracy's coach and tracy would loop off to first base clutching the bat in both arms smiling the whole way and someone would wake up grab the ball and usually beat her to first base and everyone would applaud well the last game of the season tracy came up and through some fluke or simply in a nod towards the law of averages she creamed the ball she smoked it right up the middle, through the legs of 17 players. Kids dodged out of the way and looked at it absent mindedly as it rolled unstopped, seem seemingly gaining speed, hopping over second base, heading into center field. And once it reached there, there was no one to stop it, because you all know that no one plays outfield in T-ball. Tracy hit the ball and stood at home, delighted. "'Run!' yelled her coach. "'All of us, the parents, everyone stood up in the stands "'and screamed, "'Run, Tracy, run!' "'And Tracy turned and smiled at all of us "'and then, happy to please, galloped off towards first base. "'The first base coach waved his arms for Tracy to keep going, "'and happy to please, she headed towards second. Seven members of the opposition had reached the ball "'and they were passing it around themselves "'because it's a rule in t ball "'that everybody gets to touch the ball after it's hit. "'The ball began to make its long route "'to home plate, and Tracy headed toward third. "'Adults, we fell out of the bleachers. "'Go, Tracy, go!' "'Her coach stood at home plate, calling her "'as a ball passed over the first baseman's head "'and landed in an empty dugout. "'Come on home, Tracy, come on home.' "'And Tracy started toward home. "'And that's when it happened. "'During the pandemonium, no one had noticed "'the 12-year-old mutt that had lazily settled itself down "'in front of the bleachers, five feet from third base.' And Tracy rounded third. The dog, awakened by the screaming, sat up and wagged its tail. Tracy, as she headed down the line, the tongue hanging out, mouth pulled back, an unmistakable canine smile, and Tracy stopped right there. Halfway home, 30 feet from a legitimate home run, she looked at the dog, and her coach called her Come on, Tracy, come on home. He went to his knees, pleading her to come home. The crowd cheered. She looked at her um, parents who were capturing it all on video. She looked at the dog. The dog wagged his tail. She looked at her coach. She looked at the dog. And then everything went into slow motion. And she went for the dog. It was a moment of complete stunned silence. And then perhaps not as loud, but deeper, longer, and more heartfelt, We applauded as Tracy fell to her knees to hug the dog. Two roads diverged on the third baseline and Tracy went for the dog. Six days a week, we go for home plate. Six days a week, we seek to be more productive. Six days a week, the world around us screams, run, run. Six days a week, we try and build up the score. But on the seventh day, the Bible says, Hug the dog. On the seventh day, remember what matters. On the seventh day, remember whose you are. On the seventh day, remember the God who created you. On the seventh day, allow God to recreate you. So number three on this list for us today, how do we apply it? Determined to make worship a priority. I think this is still part of the principle of the commandment even if it's not in there directly it's part of the principle and some only come to church when it's convenient there's nothing else going on nothing else interferes and I feel like it but I believe that God intended for us to come together corporately to worship it's to our benefit to do this it's helpful for you it's a gift to you See, when the world is hammering you with materialism and immorality and selfishness and mean-spirited attitudes, you need a regular worship time to keep your emotional balance, to recharge your spiritual batteries, to renew your hopes. And if you don't have a regular commitment for being here, it won't be long, just like your car without a wheel, It won't be long before your life is out of balance, and it won't work. Now, I get it. There are times that you have to refocus your view on the issues of life because the issues of life are not going to change. We're going to see that over the next few weeks. I think the rest of the summer, we're going to see that these issues in life, the issues don't change. The issues are going to keep pressing in on you. They're going to keep hammering you. But your perspective on those issues, they will change if you stop coming. Your perspective on those issues will eventually turn into what the world views and what the world sees. And your perspective on those issues will sometime become just like everyone else's in the world if you quit honoring this commandment. So we need this commandment to keep coming back to what God says. He says in James 4, 8, he says, come to me and I will come near to you. When we draw close to God, that's when he draws close to us. And that's when he reminds us what's important and what we need to continue to keep following. So don't skip over this commandment. It's so important to how we live our lives. So right now, if you would, we're going to sing a song. It's going to prepare us for a time to remember this, to remember what Christ did for us, to refocus us on him. So if you would, let's stand together and prepare for that time.